We are week two in a series on the book of Jonah, the Old Testament book Jonah. Just so I know if I need to repeat anything, how many were not here last week? We're not here last week. Hands up high so we can see. Great. Hands up, we're here last week. Great. Hands up, you can't remember. Great. So about half the room wasn't here last week. So I'm just going to give a very brief recap about Jonah, just so you, we can all start together. So Jonah is a short book of the Old Testament. It's a story about a prophet. It's a unique story, one of the only stories in the Old Testament, which is not about what a prophet says, it's about the actual prophet. And the story goes, you may have read a little book about this in, in like kids' church growing up or watched Veggie Tales. And, but here's a recap of the story. Jonah is a prophet invited by God to preach to an evil city called Nineveh. They are, that's the, kind of the capital of darkness in the world. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't like the Ninevites, doesn't want them to find the grace of God. And so he runs away from God. And in running away, God kind of tries to interrupt him so he, would keep, so he would go back to Nineveh, and eventually he is on a ship, goes overboard, gets swallowed by a big whale, is inside the whale, wrestling with whether he should go to Nineveh. Eventually the whale vomits him up. It's a fun story, this one. And he goes to Nineveh, and he preaches to the city called Nineveh. A very short sermon, probably the worst sermon ever written, five words, and because he's so reluctantly going to Nineveh. But they all repent, and they all turn and find God, and the book ends with him sulking. Going, I knew that would happen. I knew I didn't want to do this, because God, you're slow to anger, you're rich in love, and even if the worst person says sorry and repents, you'll forgive them. And I'm not cool with that. And the book ends. It's quite a fascinating book. And the question before we dig into the section today is, what type of book is it? How do we read it? Many people are going, is it real? Is it fiction? Is it true? And there's really two schools of thought within the, the community that really places a high value on Scripture. Now, this is kind of a confusing book because it's a unique book that it's, has a unique story about Jonah. Jonah is a real prophet. We see him elsewhere in the Bible. But then when it comes to the book of Jonah, it could be historical or it could be a parable. And I tell you why, it could be a parable not because of the fantastic things happen in the book and we can't believe they happen. God can do anything he wants and he does do lots of miracles. So just because there are miracles and fishes and whales doesn't mean it's not true. But what actually some people go, this sounds more like a parable, is the way it's written. That it has no dates, it has no names, it's very lyrical, it's very satirical in its humor, um, and there's repetitive exaggerations. It sounds like a parable if you're just reading it. So I'm going to leave that to you guys to go out and arm wrestle in the pub over, right? And so I don't really mind, because either way, this is the same message. Either way, God inspired this book. And it's the same message, which is this. Through the life of Jonah, God is teaching us how we sabotage our walk with God. How we can sabotage our walk with God. Jonah's not a great guy. Throughout the book, he's doing crazy things that you go, I can't believe he's doing this. But in looking at Jonah and saying to yourself, this is ridiculous. 
The point of Jonah is that in looking at Jonah doing ridiculous things to sabotage his life with God, we kind of go, ouch. I think I do that. That this book is a mirror, a mirror from God to look at Jonah and see where we, sadly, are sabotaging our life as well, like Jonah. It's not there to just heap shame or guilt upon us, but like Jonah, God is trying to woo us back into the life and love He has for us. And similarly, as we go through the book of Jonah together, over these five weeks, we're not just stabbing at, oh, we're failures. But we are recognizing, I think I have messed up like Jonah has. But God is ever gracious and ever loving to invite me back. So this sermon series is a bit ouch, but it's meant to be. That's why it's in the Bible, to be a mirror. And last week we saw how Jonah, we can mirror Jonah in refusing to do the things of God because we kind of don't like it. We kind of think that's going to work out bad for me. So we run away from God thinking we're going to run towards life. But in fact, in running away from God, we're running away from life. That the life that God has for us is not in the pursuit of the agenda we have, but in the agenda He has for us. So this week, we're going to look at another moment in Jonah's life where he sabotages his walk with God. And we might look in the mirror and go, that's me too. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Jonah chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse 1. Through the 16. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and they each cried out to his own God. Sounds very L.A., doesn't it? And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down, and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you from? In other words, what did you do? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Remember, Jonah had said, I worship the God of the sea. So they go, okay, well, what do we do to make the sea calm down? Pick me up, he said, and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. 
I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. But instead, the men did their best to row back to land. They could, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to Yahweh the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. In verse 1, we see that Jonah has a command from God. And to understand what's really going on in this passage, the English doesn't really, doesn't really help us. We have to look beyond at the Hebrew, and we'll see why some people call this as a parable is because there's a very strong literary theme repeating itself throughout this opening chapter to make a really important point. And it's about, do we get up and follow God, or do we go down and fall asleep. God actually calls Jonah to get up. The English translation says go, but in Hebrew it's literally get up and go to Nineveh. And then we see the next verse, so Jonah get up, he got up, but then he fled. He didn't go to Nineveh. God says get up because the wickedness of Nineveh has come up before my face. Jonah began to get up, but then he fled. And he fled to Tarshish. And in fleeing, the Hebrew is very clear that instead of going up, the Hebrew repetitive phrase is, he went down. God said, come on, get up. Let's do this. And Jonah went, no thanks. I'm going down. We first see this in going down, Hebrew says, going down to Joppa. He then gets on a ship and goes down into the belly of the ship. He then goes into a deep sleep. The deep is a derivative of the word down. That He's down in deep sleep. And even when the captain comes up, tries to stir him, using the phrase that God had said, get up. It says that he's fast asleep because he had gone down. The point the author is trying to tell us, the, the reason why we are looking at Jonah today is that sometimes God calls us to get up, to follow him, to pursue his agenda for our lives, to reach into all that he has for us. But something happens, something gets in the way. And instead of getting up, we go down and we walk away and we end up asleep, numb to the things of God. This morning as we look at Jonah, we're asking ourselves, are we in spiritual slumber? Are we in spiritual slumber? Here is Jonah. He had been a great prophet of God. He had been speaking to kings, the messages of God. He'd been representing his people before God. And there was one day that his, his heart was on fire, but things had happened in his life 
that suddenly he finds himself asleep in the belly of a boat, running away from God, numb to the crises around him, numb to the needs of people around him, numb to any attempt by God to bring him back. I mean, he was going through the motions, right? They said, who are you? What God do you worship? And he said correctly, you know what? I'm a Hebrew. I worship God. I worship the God of the dry land and the sea. But they even knew how insincere and inauthentic that statement was. Because here he was, well, if you worship the God of the sea, what are you doing being asleep when we're in the storm? Why are you not crying out to your God? He was asleep. He was indifferent. He was deaf to the things of God. Numb to what God's agenda was. Weary to get up again. The question that we ask ourselves is as we look at Jonah, is there something happened in my life that I look at myself today and go, I think I'm asleep. My heart's not where it used to be. I'm not as interested in what I used to be interested in. I don't hear the cries of our city. I'm just kind of numb. Are you spiritually asleep? As we saw, no one plans to be asleep. Jonah was on fire for God, representing God to kings, but in a few short years, he had gone from being a messenger of God to running from him, on a, asleep on a boat to Tarshish. What happened that he was no longer wanting to go up into the things of God, but he wanted to run and go down? What was the trigger that turned him around? We read later on in chapter 4 that Jonah confesses, this is what did it. I was all cool with you, God, until this. I was going up in the things of God, and I was on fire. I was committed. I was seeing God do amazing things in my life. I was hearing his voice. But it was that that made me turn around. We see in chapter 4, he said to God, I knew that if I went to Nineveh, as you said, that you would forgive the Ninevites, and I don't want them to be forgiven. I don't want them to be forgiven. Don't you know what they've done? To your people, maybe his own family had been tortured brutally by these Ninevites. We don't know. But that was the trigger to turn him around. And instead of going up, he went down. Has there been a trigger in your life? That you were on fire, things were going well, full of hope, full of expectation, full of leaning into the things of God. But something has happened along the way. And you arrive today, maybe you dragged yourself to church, sleepwalking, kind of numb, singing the songs, that kind of believe it, I can go through the motions. Over my life, I've had various things kind of trigger me, kind of stop going up, and I find myself start to go down. Could be disappointment with God. God, I've believed this. 
for you, you, I kind of believed in you. I thought you'd do this. I thought you'd bring that spouse along. I thought you'd bring that job along. I, you know, I've, I've given to you, but you know, I'm broke right now. You didn't come through. I kind of believe in you, but I'm now numb. God, I gave everything, but you know what? I was really hurt by that church. I was really hurt by that pastor. I was really, really hurt when I went to church and no one said hello. I was really, really hurt. You know, and kind of won't go there again. It's like, you know what? I kind of still believe in you, but I'm asleep now. I'm numb. Could be lack of friends. It could be just, oh my word, I got caught up in the joys of what LA had to offer and I just kind of went down into those things. Or it could be, man, it could be anything. In my life, I've seen so many things in my life come my way and, you know, all of a sudden I... I stop going up and I start going down. No one plans to go down and certainly no one plans to be asleep. See, the story starts that Jonah's not asleep. He turns around, but he's not asleep. He's still alive spiritually. He's just going in the wrong direction, but eventually he winds up asleep, numb, totally numb, even to the point of going, man, just just throw me overboard. Just, just get this over with. This toxic, desperate, dark place of being asleep. But it doesn't come straight away. See, it begins with a few small decisions not to go up, but maybe to slightly turn around. You see, Jonah begins his journey down with just a one little step away from Nineveh, and he starts walking towards Joppa. I've got a picture here. You may have seen this slide last week, but just to, for those who weren't here, there's a map of where Jonah went. He was supposed to go up to Nineveh, but he said he actually instead just started to walk to Joppa. And as he was walking to Joppa, I'm sure he was saying to himself, you know what, no big deal. I just need a break right now. I'm not ready for that right now. You know, it's, I need some Sabbath time away from doing things. You know, I need a, you know, we're not legalists. We don't have to go to church every week. I'm just taking a break. You know, I'm going to meet my friends for lunch and we'll talk about God things. Don't need the church. It's fine. Yeah, we're not legalists. It's freedom. You know, I'm just, just kind of not wanting to go there right now. And he just started to walk. He was in control and at any point, you know, I'll come back. It's fine. I'll come back. I don't know about you, but I've been there. You know, I used, to, I used to love those kingdom comes, but man, every month, you know, I'm going to skip a few, you know. That community group was good, but you know what? You know, I just got invited out Wednesday night, and it was good, but I think I'll take a break. Man, church is great, but I think I need a break right now, and I'll be back. That's fine. And you're just Walking. Walking. The problem is, the walking accelerates into something else. The story tells us that Jonah got to Joppa. And there he is in the port town of Joppa. And he sees a boat. And he goes, oh, that looks fun. In fact, Tarshish, that looks great. I've always thought of going to Spain. 
Always wanted a margarita on the Costa del Sol. And it would have been easy to justify it, right? Oh, my word. God, what a beautiful, you provided a boat for me. A vacation. This is awesome. But here's the thing. What turned into just a short break, I'm just walking. He gets on the boat. And suddenly, he's no longer in control. Suddenly, he can't turn around. The boat is taking him regardless of what he does. He's made decisions in his life which are accelerating his going down. You see, many of us, when we're on our way down, we'll start to rationalize kind of the circumstances and go, oh my word, there's a boat here. This looks amazing. I'll take this. This, this must be God. We'll look at these coincidences as if they're favorable coincidences that it must be God. And the problem is, whenever you're walking down to Joppa away from God, the devil will always provide a ship to take you further. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, I know this, I know this, I know this deal isn't particularly kind of on the up and up, but I tell you what, man, God just orchestrated it though. It's amazing. Hi, I met this guy, he's a bit of a shady dealer, but the opportunity is amazing, and I, I'm going to tithe everything I make. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, you know. I know we don't go to church on Sundays, but I tell you what, man, I'm, I'm finding so much life in just meeting weekly with my buddies, and we, we go out for Sunday brunch, and we talk, and we're there for each other. It's the first time I've really had that really beautiful, authentic community. I don't think I need church. I don't, you know, I don't need to be with other people. It's just like, this is amazing. Oh man, and this is going to strike a nerve, and but that's okay. <laughs> Which is, you know, okay, you know. Oh man, you know, I, I met this girl. Oh my word! If these feelings aren't from God, I don't know what is. <laughs> right? You're laughing with too much self-awareness, so yeah. <laughs> right? I know she doesn't believe in God, and I know what you say about you're on just different paths, but you know what? If, why would I feel this way if it wasn't God? See, we can all hop on a boat thinking feelings and favorable, favorable circumstances are from God. But Jonah tells us the only place God is is in the unfavorable circumstance. He's in the storm to wake you up. He's in the whale to come bring you to your senses. Don't mistake favorable circumstances as the affirmation of God. And you're on that boat to Tarshish, and without doing anything, you are being blown by the wind further and further away from God. And the reality is, it may seem fun, but eventually you find yourself in the depths of the boat, fast asleep, numb to the things of God, and even numb to the danger that you're in. 
you're about to go down and you don't realize it. It's interesting, isn't it? The only people who kind of told him, dude, what has happened to you with the non-Christians? How many of your non-Christian friends have sometimes looked at you and said, dude, what has happened to you? I may not believe in your God, but you used to be this when you went to church, and now you're this. What is it that has started you walking? What is it that may have put you on the boat? What is it that you're running from that you know already I'm getting sleepy? I'm getting sleepy. The great news is Whenever Jonah goes down, he never goes down alone. You see, whenever we see Jonah going down, God goes down with him. God doesn't do what I would do. You know, I don't know what about you, but when someone rejects me, man, I reject them. Some friend you are, Oh, my word, you let me down. Oh, my word, after all I've done for you, you didn't show up. So easy, isn't it, for us, maybe just me, to reject those who reject me. But when Jonah abandons God, God doesn't abandon Jonah. When Jonah rejects God, God doesn't reject Jonah. (laughs) When Jonah runs from God, God runs after Jonah. You see, when we go down, he goes down after us. He goes down to woo Jonah back. He goes down to woo us back. We're going to look at this next week, how he woos us. He sends a storm. He sends a captain. He sends non-Christian sailors. He eventually sends a whale. He doesn't force us. He doesn't, it's interesting, he doesn't do what we think we need, which is God just show up and force my hand through some miraculous sighting. No, no, he, he'll whisper to us because he woos, not forces. But ironically, the same love that Jonah was angry that God would show the Ninevites is the same love that he now is being shown. That God is merciful and compassionate slow to become angry and rich in love. I'm so thankful that when I've walked away, God's walked with me. I'm so thankful that when I've got on those ships, He comes on board with me. I'm so thankful that when I'm even numb and asleep, He's watching over me all the time to bring me home. This isn't just a one-off for Jonah. But the way God is acting, doesn't it remind us of something else that he did? That for God so loved the world that he sent into the darkness 
into the brokenness. He sent his one and only son to go down to his people. That whoever would believe in him would find life and come home with eternal life. So what God is doing for Jonah, he's done for all of us. And he's doing that today. Maybe for some of you, being here today, you know it's God going, I know what's happened. I know what you struggle with. But I want you back. Come up with me. And let's get out of the storm. So as we end, Gare, what do we do about this? What do we do? Well, the first thing I want to say as your friend, pastor, I'm going to say what the captain said. Get up. Get up. There's a better life waiting for you. Get up, because I see, as the captain did, I see you're in danger and you're asleep. Time to get up. Time to get up. Get up and deal with whatever it was that initially caused you to turn around. So until we deal with it, we'll never go home. Jonah had to deal with, God, do I really believe in the scandal of grace? That you are that forgiving and loving. That you would forgive the worst of us all. The book ends not knowing whether Jonah really was healed of that. And I think the question, I think it's intentionally so because it's up to us to deal with these things in our lives. The triggers that turned us around. The missed expectations, the disappointments with God, the hurt that you've experienced. is to go, God, I need to come back, but I need this to be healed. In my own life, it's not a simple thing to heal of these things that have turned me around. I've got to recognize what it is. And sometimes I find it easier to go, it's them that did it to me. And I blame the circumstances, or I, I blame the Ninevites and go, they're the problem. But I've got to be honest. It's a problem because of what's going on in here. And really, the Ninevites were just doing what everyone does without God, and that's break things in the world, like we all have. The problem was Jonas, that he thought he was better than them, and they didn't deserve grace. In other words, pride. But what is it for you? I've been hurt by the church and I, had to run, I ran away for years and I, I had to come back to God and say, actually, God, I've run away not because of what they did. The church is always a messy place. We're broken sinners. I ran away ultimately because of something in here. And I need healing. Jonah reminds us that we all have to come before God and say, I need to get up. I need to stop blaming others and look in here. 
Now that's hard to look in, and maybe you need friends to help you look in. Maybe you need a Christian therapist, and we've got lots online to look at and pick one. Or maybe the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Course, or go speak to one of the pastors, or get prayer to go, Lord, what is it? What is it that turns me around? And then to bring it to God and allow His presence to heal. Get up. Work out what it was that turned you around. Go to God with it. And when you go to God with it and you sense His healing, you sense that actually you're starting to come back awake to the things of God. Organize your life and your practices and your spiritual rhythms that you stay up. I don't know about you, but so many times I'm up. But the business of life, the pulls of the city, the temptations of leisure, pleasure, treasure start to cause me to go down. To organize your life around the things of God. See, our habits, our daily rhythms determine our trajectory up or down. That's why I love serving on Alpha. My 41st, something like that, 41st Alpha course. Because I'm in there again with people exploring. And I just love hearing people's stories of exploration. And it keeps me, keeps me attentive in my own heart and my own faith. What is it? I'm committed to church. I will never not go to church unless there's some medical tragedy or something I just can't make. Why? Because I'm, I'm patterning my life around staying up and not going down. I've got friends who I go away with on an annual basis who are friends who are Christians. We're going to go away and pray together, minister, minister to each other, encourage each other, because I'm organizing my life around staying up, not going down. I got friends I Zoom with every couple of weeks. We're open and honest about what we're going through because I'm oriented towards staying up, not going down. As we come into communion now, I want to ask you two questions. What trajectory are you heading in? Are you going up into the things of God or are you slowly walking down? And then for those in the room, and I've been there a few times in my life, I'm not just walking gear. <laughs> I'm asleep on the boat going nowhere. And the great news is that you're not alone, but you're loved. You're loved beyond your wildest dreams. That God is slow to anger, rich in love. His grace and His mercy follow after you. And if you would only hear His voice, He'll take you back up again. This is why He sent His Son. He never expects us to go up in our own strength, but He brings us up. And that's why we celebrate communion this morning. Because we were all asleep on the boat. We were all going down but he came after us. 
and it cost him everything. And in fact, he threw himself overboard that we wouldn't have to. He died in our place that we could receive his life. This is the God who loves us. No matter where you are, no matter what ship you've been on, no matter what you're doing, he came for you. Let's stand together.